This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. (laughs) My name is Alice. I'm the social media manager for Jubilance. And today I'm talking to Rebecca Landry. Hi. Rebecca is currently pursuing her MS in marriage and family therapy from San Diego State University. And she currently holds her MA in counseling and education and works with youth, young adults, and families around confidence, love, relationships, and empowerment. So we're going to talk to Becca today about that. Yay. Hey, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank yeah, you. So welcome, Becca. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having Would me. Do you prefer Becca or Rebecca? It's interchangeable. Okay. Becca's like my, yeah, I've been, I've been experimenting with Becca with like client work to, I don't know, we'll see. But I relate to both. So either oh, way is okay, fine. Perfect. Even hey you. <laughs> I yeah. realized I've been saying like both. And then I was like, I've never asked her. I feel like terrible. <laughs> I'm not using the proper name. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, I okay. go by both. Um, well, we want to start yeah. off with some fun questions. So who's your favorite yeah. Disney princess and why? Ooh, okay. So I'd have to go with, I don't know if she technically counts as a princess, which is why I kind of like that. Um, I would say Mulan because of her her gender stereotype defiance and like, yeah, kick butt attitude and determination. Definitely Mulan. That's amazing. And did you dress as Mulan to the Disney wedding? (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, I was actually Mary Poppins. <laughs> I dressed up as Mary Poppins because I already had the clothes and the makeup and the hat. But if it, yeah, I'm also for convenience, too. But if I had the opportunity, I think I would, for sure. I love a good, like, top-knot situation and, like, comfy battle gear. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you were a salad dressing, which one would you be? Ooh, okay. I would have to say Caesar, oh. Tangy like thick in depth uh many layers to it and yeah most people <laughs> like caesar i would hope yeah it's really good <laughs> yeah. yeah and like powerful like a roman emperor yeah oh yeah <laughs> i didn't think about that but yeah that yeah that works maybe it's my subconscious yes like, yeah. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> um Definitely. What's your favorite random fact? Okay, so this one is my favorite. If you say beer can in an English accent, it sounds like bacon in a Jamaican accent. Beer can. What? Beer can. I know. Wow, that's incredible. Beer can. Yeah, I, I know. That. It, that is the most but now random I'll think about fact. About it forever. But yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's right. How can you not? Yeah. So. So, Becca, can you tell me where you're from and how did you get to San Diego, where you currently live? Yes, I am originally from the Los Angeles area, the San Fernando Valley, so I'm technically a valley girl. Um, And I lived there uh, until I graduated college. And then the summer after I graduated college, I married my college sweetheart, Devin, and uh, we moved four days after our wedding to San Diego because he already had a job here. And I was really interested in theater education at the time. And there was a really cool nonprofit that I found a job with. And we had a wonderful situation to live. And it just worked. And, like, who doesn't love San Diego? So I was like, why not? And so I've been here ever since. It's been six years. That's, that's amazing. And what's your favorite part about yeah. San Diego? Ooh, I absolutely love – it's multi, multifaceted. I love the weather. I love the community. I love the people. It's hard to – walk by somebody and not exchange a smile 
it's hard for it not to be like in the mid 70s on those days (laughs) Um, yeah and yeah I mean now we live in kind of an urban area but it's we live right by a river path and it's just like there's nature everywhere every everywhere in sunshine and I just yeah I just love it so much that's amazing and what's your favorite restaurant in San Diego so like if anyone goes there where do they need to go Yes. Well, if you're in San Diego, you definitely need to try some Mexican food and definitely need to go to Ponce's in Kensington. And it's a really lovely sit down Mexican restaurant owned by a family. And it was like one of the first places when I moved here that Devin and his family took me to. And it's just like really, really good. Yeah, definitely. Ponce is my favorite. That sounds amazing. I, I've never tried it. I'll yeah, have to check so it good. out. Oh, it's so good. Yes. You have to try kind of Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I was wondering, so you have, you're pursuing another master's degree right now. You also have an MA in counseling and education already. Can you walk me through yes. what you wanted to do? So you, first you were interested in theater education when you got out of school and then now you've kind of moved over into a different sort of therapy. Can you talk about how you got to where you are? Yeah, definitely. So it's uh, it's been an interesting shift that's kind of, you know, led me here. So yeah, I, like, like you mentioned, I mentioned I was interested in theater education. I graduated with my bachelor's in literature and theater uh, because I acted and I was super interested wow. in, I didn't yeah, fun fact also. <laughs> yeah, fun fact to know and tell. Um, I was in some plays and I just loved what it felt like to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved the production elements. I loved working towards something bigger than myself. I loved being in community. I just absolutely loved it when I could go to like rehearsals and the end result, everything like that. And so I wanted to, I knew I wanted to work with kids and I knew that maybe pursuing audition life wasn't necessarily for me. And so I was like, oh, I need to do something else with this, uh, but still stay close to it because I love it so much. And I know how excited I was as a kid to do theater programs, so why not teach and figure something out? And I uh, joined the team of this nonprofit that unfortunately doesn't really exist anymore, but we did kind of like life skills education through play and theater and improv. I got really into it, and we would go into some unfortunate situations, uh, maybe with youth in foster care or some schools who needed some resources, and go in and talk about conflict resolution through playing and theater. And it just happened to be the job that I got out of college that I was super into. I was following this organization. Mm. And from there, I was like, oh, whoa, this conflict resolution stuff. I'm super into this. But all the stuff that's out there doesn't really incorporate theater so much except Mm. for what I'm doing now. So then I was like, oh, you know what? I could do more of this. And so I explored like what people call the experiential education realm with kids. And somehow ended up in a job working with young adults doing that too for a couple years and thought, you know what? I'm really into this. I love movement. I love theater. I should probably get a degree to make me a bit more legit in the field. (laughs) And so I ended up getting my master's in education and counseling, which is more like a broad degree. So that way I could learn more from the counseling Mm -hmm. element and the education element. So that way I could put my spin on it. And I absolutely loved it. And it was a year program and it happened to be in the same school as the therapy program that I'm in now with similar professors. And we were in this group counseling class where I was wanting to integrate some kind of theater and restorative practices. 
And I realized, oh, yeah, I like therapy. <laughs> like, I like it. It was just like, a, oh, wow, I could really see this. I could see this working. I could see myself being a drama therapist or wow. a movement therapist and incorporating, like, expressive arts practices wow. into therapy, things like that. And I looked into a couple expressive arts programs, and I realized, you know what, in order to maybe serve a greater need or to open myself up to other opportunities, I decided to get the broader degree in family therapy. Um, so that way I could oh, also wow. put my spin on okay. it too. And yeah, so now I'll have like the training to be able to sit with people in like a private practice setting or agency mm -hmm. setting, work with families, couples, kiddos, uh, and also like eventually be able to do some really cool stuff with expressive art. That's yeah, amazing, so that's Becca. how I'm here. <laughs> yeah, wow. thank you. That's thank so you. cool. When are you done with your degree? Your next one. May. Yes, this one, May. I'm done in May. Wow. Yes, it's my last year. Oh my gosh. I know. It feels Amazing. like there had, yeah, it wasn't an end in sight, and now there's an end in sight, and unless I do my PhD, oh. which we'll see. But we'll, yeah. <laughs> Why I'm, not? May 2020. I know. <laughs> so, it's, oh, that's yeah, it's awesome. Going really well. Wow. I love it. And it sounds like you have so many different yeah. routes and options that you could go down with this. So it sounds perfect. De yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have any fall traditions that you, I mean, in San Diego, it's like, Ooh. does it ever, I know. does fall ever happen? But. <laughs> yeah. So I get very excited if it drops below 70 <gasps> degrees here, uh, like 68 the degrees. Horror. Yeah. I would say like at about... I know, at about 68, but it never gets cold enough to wear them. Oh, okay. So I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll sweat a little. Uh, and so, yeah, scar wearing scarves. I know it's like my own little tradition. And also, <laughs> I don't necessarily like ascribe to like too much commercialism, but I do love a good fall holiday cup situation, like the fall drinks oh, okay. at, at the coffee shops and things like that. Like, I love a good pumpkin something. Okay, well, the pumpkin Anything. spice latte is now yes. out again. Have you had it yet? I know. I've been holding off till after Labor Day just right. for my own convictions. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's earlier every year. But I do love it. I do love, yeah. So, yeah, scarves and lattes because I don't really get much else. That's here. wonderful. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And can you talk about, like, what do you think is your biggest success story? Oh, yeah. So I, it's really interesting that you asked that question because I recently started thinking more in successes, mm -hmm. like in terms of like, oh, this is a win for me, in like thinking about the results of my life rather than like, oh, I'm in this process. When am I going to get to the next step? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would say, you know, I know that your family knows about this and some people know about this and it's, it's coming up in the piece that I'm writing for the newsletter too, but our daughter recently passed away about nine months ago and I was in school still and there was like kind of a crossroads situation where it's like, oh, something major and huge has happened. Do I want to even continue this? Because like I had the option to drop out and just kind of like figure what else out. So I missed some school and I decided to go back like within a month. And it was the biggest success so far. Because I went back, I was able to see a client right away who was going through something similar and give them therapy, which was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. And also I ended up getting a placement 
because I'm technically a marriage and family therapy trainee right now. So I'm in the field. I have a caseload and I'm at a high school right now, which was like one of the the best kind of placements that I could get at this place. It's my top choice. And I ended up getting it because of, you know, just coming back, determination, working hard. And now I'm able to help like a bunch of really, really cool teenagers uh, that inspire me every day. So I would say that has like been my biggest success so far is going back after that. Yeah, that's that's awesome, yeah. Becca. I, we're yeah. so sorry that happened, and um, oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad you can like create a success out of a situation that you can help people with too. I'm like that's really great that you could help Definitely. someone yeah. as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it feels um, good. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it changes every day and it changes from person to person. But what is your definition for being female or being a woman? Oh, yeah. So many layers. To <laughs> yeah. That. Um, I, <laughs> so yeah, so the program that I'm in right now is really radical and political uh, in terms of like the theories that we learn about how we get to be the way that we are, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I'm under the firm belief that we're all products of different contexts and stories and relationships in our lives, right? Like, there's no issue that happens in isolation. Uh, and we're all mm-hmm. in relationship with one another. And all of, you know, from my experiences, my beliefs, my values have been informed by what I like to call discourses, which are these, like, beliefs about the world that come from somewhere culturally. So a discourse could mean like what it means to be a woman, right? What it means to be, you know, beliefs of what women should do, how women should act that are informed by culture, religion, politics, everything, right? And so I'm Mm. constantly in a state of deconstructing that and learning how I've come to learn things about being a woman. And so I would say initially I thought being a woman meant serving based off of how I grew up uh, and not necessarily in a bad way, right? But just like kind of being there to make sure that everyone else was okay. Um, And Hmm. maybe sometimes forgetting who you are as an individual because there are bigger things at hand. And so now I'm kind of under this idea, this notion that women, in my mind, baseline are resilient. Uh, What it it means to be a woman is to be resilient, Um, Mm. to survive under any circumstance that informs you and to thrive in order to serve, which is a lot more empowering than how I would initially think about it, right? Um, And so my little, like, radical feminist in me is saying, you know, if I had to kind of make a lump uh, claim, I would say resilience, because I think that could fit. Yeah, and I think really any definition is okay for what we think of as being female or woman, and especially since gender is so fluid now, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think resilience is so empowering, like you said, and so tough and badass. And I think that's a great way to think about it. something I'm going to take away. And then I'm curious too, have you ever felt prejudice because of your gender? And do you have stories about it? Yeah. 
No, definitely. I think, you know, uh, where that resilience comes from, it comes from somewhere, right? So in order to come over something or work through something or be strong through something, there has to be some form of oppression or prejudice or something like that to come out of. And I'm under a firm believer that in one way or another, we all kind of have instances of that, right? I definitely would say that because of my gender, I was assumed to be one way. And I end up surprising a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I grew up in a very, a very traditional household uh, where gender roles were kind of assumed and predefined. And yeah, <laughs> I'll say that um, in terms of like, you know, putting dinner on the table and serving and making sure you know, the males were served first in age order on the table, things like that. And it all comes from a good place. It comes from like a longstanding, you know, form of tradition and things like that. And I value that. It's a form of my upbringing. And also sometimes I, you know, sometimes I was hungry and I wanted my soup first. <laughs> so uh, I don't mean to, you know, downplay it at all. But yeah, that and, and also in, in terms of education, I think, you know, I've had at least one conversation with some people in my life that have said, like, why do you need to go to school? Why do you need to do that? You know, you mm -hmm. can find your husband and and get married. Why do you need to go to college? And that's great for some people. And that's a wonderful life for some people. And I did end up meeting my husband in college, but not uh, because I'm searching for it. <laughs> I was searching <laughs> for an education. Just that distinction I like to share. But yeah, so I definitely think my journey in becoming more educated or getting these degrees, which means uh, it's a fancy, you know, letters for de debt. Um, mm -hmm. But, <laughs> um, you know, getting all these degrees and, and stuff like that, I think is my own little protest against those moments of prejudice, I guess you can call yes, them. Yes, queen. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. learn. Let's learn. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel about talking about PMS? Has it ever had mm. taboo connotations for you? I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I like would die if I said the word period, but now I say it all the time, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's my job to say it and scream it. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah. What about you? Do you have, do you have any of these stories or, or anything you'd like to share about PMS or periods? Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. So there's so much there <laughs> um, with like family traditions of what it means to get your period and everything like that. Mm. I do know that there is a huge, um, the moodiness has always been a thing in my life that I would want to talk about and be like, this is why I'm experiencing this. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm like, I'm in myself right now. This is happening. <laughs> uh, but then instead of being like, oh, you know, let's talk about what's contributing to this. It was always like, oh, Becca's being nasty. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not. Uh, and so there was never, yeah, it was definitely taboo to be like, no, I'm, I'm about to get my period. Like, what's going on? Why Why can't we talk about yeah. this? I guess I should have known when I was 13 that I wanted to be an open communicator. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like, why can't we all just talk about it? Um, so, yes, definitely. And, and also there was, like, a sense of shame, a sense of shame um, and secrecy around it, too. I remember always being very prepared. And this is like my one period story that I like to tell everyone when we start talking about it, if we're in a social setting. Yes. And I had first gotten my period. And my mom was taught me very well to be over prepared for situations, like always, right? Great. And I wasn't sure, to, like how to use a tampon yet. So like pads were my go to I was like, you know, itty bitty Becca seventh grader. And of 
course, I had like a gallon freezer sized plastic Ziploc bag filled with pads. Like any oh kind of pad gosh. under the sun, I had it <laughs> just in case. Incredible. You never know in a six, yeah, in a six hour period of middle school, <laughs> how much you would need. I had it, right? It was like a Costco supply bag <laughs> in my backpack. And I was always pretty, I was like pretty clumsy. And I remember I was going to like shut my backpack, but I forgot because I always had an open backpack. People were always like oh, keeping no. stuff out. Cause it's like, oh, Becca, close your backpack. And I was pretty clumsy. I wasn't paying attention. And I was walking down like the hill to go to my next class. And I didn't see where I was going. And I physically bumped into my history teacher. And this giant, like a comedy movie, this giant like Ziploc bag of industrial pads that were probably from like 1986, like flew out of my backpack onto the floor. And my jaw just dropped. I'm like, um, oh, no. <laughs> and my teacher like looks down, makes eye contact with me and goes, Rebecca. And I'm like, huh, 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 mister. And then I just like pick it up and run to the bathroom and just like cry. <laughs> I was like, oh, but the truth is it's totally normal. And like, you're a teacher in middle school. Like you should know that your students get their periods and that like, you should be proud of them for being prepared. Yeah. So I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much shame associated with this. Why couldn't I have somebody talk to me like when I was that age to be like, this is normal. This mm -hmm. is okay. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. those conversations are starting to happen now, but just us growing up, like, I don't know, when was that? 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a thing then, which is wild. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I just like had yeah. physical anxiety from you telling that story. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every time yeah. it's like the time stands still and the pad bag is flowing in the air. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. So another question for you. Um, how do you think we can solve yeah. the gender gap? Uh, education in uh, speaking up, I think is huge. Um, and I know there are plenty of vocal, wonderful women who advocate for themselves. And I also fear that we're just not taught to advocate for ourselves at young ages uh, in ways that would help us get more money, <laughs> in ways that will help us get paid more, in ways that will help us get more advantages, in ways that will help us get opportunities in life. Um, I, rem I never learned necessarily that it was okay to negotiate I always felt like oh just mm. you know just, oh whatever they give you you should be lucky to have and that's you know and that's what it is and as I'm getting older and as I'm getting more confident in who I am as a, as a human in this you know vessel I would definitely say that advocating myself advocating for myself has been one of the hugest tools to learn um and sometimes you know, saying no can really, or saying, mm, I'm not so sure about that. How can we explore more options that benefit me? I mean, stereotypically might label you as, you know, not a great word or too difficult mm -hmm. or things like that. But if men, you know, cis uh, identifying men were to say the same thing, it, it wouldn't be an issue because men are taught to be, we're talking about, you know, stereotypical masculinity are taught to be like, steadfast and know what you want and be good at business and things like that and so why can't why can't we learn the same why can't we be encouraged to do the same instead of you know keeping quiet and just saying yeah okay and 
putting all the smileys in our emails and things like that. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many students and, and young people that I'm working with who their main concern that they're coming in with is, I can't speak up in class because I'm nervous that a teacher is going to tell me that I'm dumb. And so how can we assure, you know, the future generation that you're not dumb? You're there, you're showing up, you're working hard, um, and you're doing the best you can. You deserve this opportunity just as much as anybody else. So name it. That's great. Thank you, Becca. Yeah. And then I think like a similar mm -hmm. question I have is how do you, do you have yeah. some concrete ways that we can fight for women's equality? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Concrete ways that we can fight for women's equality. Education, education, education. I know I'm in a place of privilege being able to go to school and put my mind in a way that can, you know, I don't know, I guess no more things if you want to call it that. I don't know what real power I hold. But I would say hitting the book because when we know more, we're stronger and we're, and we're a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I would also say, yeah, similar, similar answer, learning ways and working with people. And I'm not, I am kind of biased, but maybe working with a counselor, working with somebody to learn how to advocate for yourself and represent yourself in the way that you want, in the way that you prefer and ask for help. I, I don't think that we can bypass inequalities in isolation. I think we need to stand strong together as a community. And when you ask for help, you're linking yourself to somebody else. So I'm not sure if that's concrete enough. I live kind of in the abstract. So no, I think that's wonderful. So study, get yeah. the books, and ask people for help. You're not alone. I think that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just have some fun ending questions to wrap up with you. Okay. Let's do <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. What's your favorite read? <laughs> that you've had this summer Ooh, or in yeah. general? I love anything. Yeah. So I, I read a lot uh, about emotions cool. <laughs> um, and, and communication. And that is for school. If I'm not doing that, I would definitely read anything from Mindy Kaling. Her couple of books like really I just her. like give me inside fuzzies. And I love that. Yeah. I'm really into memoirs mm -hmm. of ladies. So anything. Th that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything there? What's yeah. your favorite place you've ever traveled? Ooh, okay. So I haven't traveled many places internationally, but I would definitely say that Sedona, Arizona oh. is like my favorite place to be. I've been there a couple wow. times and there's something like so peaceful about being in those canyons, like in the red rocks with that mud and the turquoise and the people and the hippie dippy like vortexes and you know, all that stuff. I, I dig it so much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've never been there. Yeah. Um, okay. If oh, they were to make a movie <laughs> about your life, who would play you and why? Ooh, okay. I was really struggling with this one. So <laughs> I don't feel like there's any person that represents me like directly. However, if I were to pick like, based on mere acting chops alone. I would go, great. obviously, Meryl Streep, because she's great. Not that I think Perfect. that highly of myself, but like if I had to cast it, I would probably yes. go with Meryl, and then maybe some kind of like America Ferreira redo Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants cast in some way. I love to it. To represent like different people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That would be awesome. Meryl Streep. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when did you start your period? You kind of, you kind of mentioned it in your story earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I was 12 and I was not Mm. excited. (laughs) I was not excited um, because I knew that would like make me a woman. Um, And I was like, oh, that's too much pressure. I can't do that right now. I'm not into that right now. Like, oh, I remember being like, mom is going to ruin my life. But no, it's 12. (laughs) And I've had it ever since. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, if any, you know, for whoever else is watching or listening, and you're going through something, or even if you just need a little bit of maintenance, it's great to talk to somebody. If it's not a counselor, it's a friend or a religious leader, somebody that you can connect to. It's important. And anywhere in your area, there's likely free services to mental health access care. Look it up. You're not alone. Talk to somebody. So yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Becca. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having bye. me. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, bye.